Hey, it's Dustin. Uh, If you're listening to this, that does mean, hopefully, that you've subscribed to the 146 podcast on uh, Spotify, YouTube, or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Your listenership and rating of the show is always greatly appreciated as it helps the community here grow. Also, just a warning up front, I try to limit swearing in the show, but one might slip out here and there because, well, I don't know. I can't not be myself. So, sorry about that. I promise it's not riddled with swear words, but for any listeners with kids, just know that one here and there might slip out. Okay, let's get the show going. Welcome to the 146 Podcast, Episode 2. I'm Dustin Whitcomb. Last episode, you and I sat down for some, let's call it, uh, internal exploration. Today, we're exploring Externally, a company that I've previously explored through this medium, Apple Incorporated the biggest and most distinctly marketed consumer electronics brand on the planet. No doubt they've dominated the consumer marketplace with Apple's data supporting this, with more than 206 million iPhones having been shipped in 2020 alone, even through a global pandemic. But what makes them so unique and stand out from every other competing consumer electronics company has been their marketing. Even non-marketing and advertising consumers have noticed. Otherwise, they would simply not be the most successful brand on this planet. Marketing is a unique balance between noticing the marketing, enough to buy it, and not noticing the marketing, enough for you to not even realize why you want it so bad. So let's explore their marketing. The last time I covered Apple in a podcast form like this, I talked about this moment of the crowd at Macworld 2007 as the late Steve Jobs announced on stage and as it's still described in the press release on their website, the iPhone is a, quote, a revolutionary mobile phone, a widescreen iPod with touch controls, and a breakthrough internet communications device with desktop class email, web browsing, searching, and maps into one small and lightweight handheld device. End quote. In my mind, it's not the devil in the details here, it's the specificity to them. Steve Jobs didn't just walk out onto a dark stage and say, hey everyone, look at this rectangle, it dials and it's a phone, it's not like the others, oh, don't, don't you want it? Just come over here and fucking buy it. No, look, I'm obviously using some exaggerations and saying this intentionally funny, but the real truth of the matter is that there is a reason that Apple chose those words specifically, a breakthrough internet communications device. That's because it sounds better than any alternative. It's a, quote, breakthrough, end quote, aka unlike anything else that's come before. And it's, it's not just a phone with internet. No, it's, it's, it's a, quote, internet communications device, end quote. As if it's been, you know, ripped out of an episode of Star Trek and placed in the palm of your hand. There's multitudes of examples of language that Apple specifically 
chooses to describe their products, their company, their culture, their branding, and even you, their consumers. And I'm one of them. Make no mistake. Absolutely, you know, none of this is some type of expose to find the dark truth of Apple. No, in many ways, it's a celebration of them in my mind. Apple is, as it stands today, one of the most successful marketers in history, putting technology into our pockets, our hands, on our wrists, in our ears, and on our workstations that have objectively changed the world. They have, and it's, it's not just a cell phone. It's a revolutionary mobile phone. When I was in the 10th grade, I had the best teacher of my life. No offense to all the other teachers, no doubt all educators are underappreciated, especially those teaching in a small school district in Salamanca, New York. <laughs> um, often a- after school or after class or after getting too bored to sit still, <laughs> I would go to Mrs. Polly Hansen's classroom and, and talk. Sometimes she wasn't even there. Um, <laughs> but, th- but that was my favorite part about it, though. Mrs. Hansen present or not, um, created an environment for me to talk through things, to question, to vent about teenage stress, to laugh hysterically at things nobody else around me thought was funny. (laughs) She challenged in the most friendly way, but with a passion for like truth and hard work that demanded a commitment to an authentic point of view. She introduced me to playing devil's advocate, a person who expresses a contentious opinion in order to provoke debate or test the strength of the opposing arguments. While to this day, Mrs. Hansen's to blame for why I constantly do this to my fiancé. She also expressed the importance of questioning those in power, successfully suppressing her own personal political points of view as she taught this, but she begged us to question everyone. One day she brought my love for the written and spoken word out of my subconscious and into the forefront of my mind. I wish I could remember what it was that sparked that, that fateful conversation, but that what it, whatever it was that had me so passionate that day, but it might've been a video I don't know, it might have been an intrusive thought. Uh, nevertheless, it, it sparked a, a, a lifelong change in my mindset and in my love for words. I don't remember our conversation verbatim, but what has stayed with me from that conversation has been the lesson, which is that people don't just choose to speak. They actually choose how to say what they're saying. They specifically and explicitly choose certain words. Now, don't get me wrong, this doesn't necessarily apply to our everyday conversations or anything like that, but when a message is being intentionally relayed, make no mistake, somebody is choosing how they're saying something. Me, right now, in this microphone, I am each word each sentence I am thinking about how I would like to say this how I can best say this to get the point of the story the point of this across 
And what I've fallen in love with is why people intentionally choose words in podcast form or otherwise. Whether it be for a musical reason, such as, you know, sentence structure or how it sounds rhythmically or just even their intention. For example, like hostage negotiators and crisis call operators, they, they're they mandated to speak carefully. They're taught, they're trained to speak carefully, choosing and avoiding certain words or phrases in their work. In the arts, when actors, directors, or even keynote speakers are tasked with like conveying feelings and messages to a crowd, they must pick their words precisely in order to give the exact same feeling to everyone in their audience at the exact same time. Famed screenwriter Aaron Sorkin has this famous quote. You know him. He wrote things like The West Wing, Social Network, A Few Good Men, Molly's Game, just to name a few. He once said, I am haunted by the fact that in that dictionary on my shelf is the greatest movie that's ever been written if I could just pick the right words and put them in the right order. It's all right there. Well, in marketing, the same self-hating, perpetuating rule also applies. Pick the right words, put them in the right order. This is what will perfectly convince the right consumers that this is the right product for them. But you got to pick the right words and put them in the right order. Let's go back to Apple. In Apple's case, they were only up against their other competitors, who at the time were Motorola, Sony, and BlackBerry. And they had great phones. Some of them even had similar email capabilities to what the iPhone had when he was introducing it. But as Steve Jobs would explain on stage that day at Macworld in 2007, they all, quote, have these keyboards that are there, whether you need them or not, to be there, end quote. They all had these physical keyboards, which is specifically and precisely what the new iPhone didn't have. Aided with some visuals on a large screen behind him, Jobs continued to explain the problem that his desired consumers were facing. At first, it's very simple. There's a problem, and I have just the right product that will solve it. But he didn't just do that. He did this in a way that... that only Steve Jobs would become so famous for. He educated his audience in simple, clear, and more, in, more importantly, intentional and precise terms. At first glance, you might think he's formulating these sentences on the spot the way his cadence is on stage to an audience, thinking out loud, and it just so happens there's a PowerPoint behind him to support his words that just happen to be coming out of his mouth. But this is what made him an, a powerful communicator of Apple's goal that day and the days that have followed. And the goal, yes, is to sell iPhones. But more specifically, it's to explain why your phone is a problem and theirs is a solution. He did this at the time with examples and spoke specifically. But more important, just like Apple's marketing to this day, he spoke intentionally. They pick just the right words in just the right order to get just the right consumer to buy their product. And that's what makes them so, so powerful. That's what makes them sell 206 million iPhones in a global pandemic.
you like this episode, give it a rating and engage with the show through your favorite podcast app or on social media, because I want your opinion. And I'm not just saying that because it's written in front of me. <laughs> I'm really not. Uh, uh, I lo- I like playing devil's advocate, as you heard from this last episode. So I want to hear your opinion. I want to hear your perspective, especially, especially, especially if you have a different one. And uh, I just look forward to doing more of these and engaging and building this community of 146. Appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the next one. Six.